I got an email from a past follower of our ministry, and she's recently given up the faith. And she's a, a Christian of 40 years, and she's given up the faith. And I received an email, and I just want to sort of talk you through it. Um, and I told her that I would be um, putting this up as a video in response to her email. But uh, she she asked, sent an email. I sent an email through about, I think it was that newspaper article. And she wrote back, please unsubscribe me, thanks, with a smiley face. I said, I'm sorry if I offended you in some way. That's all I wrote back. I, was, I unsubscribed it, but I said, I'm sorry if I offended you. I should have had a sad face. But uh, she says, oh, gosh, no, you've not offended me. I can see you are a decent person, a decent, honest person. And having been a Christian for over 40 years, I understand why you believe as you do. However, I've actually stopped believing myself, and I'm in the process of deconstructing as part of the process, whatever that says there. What you don't see there is that I said, could you please fill me in on what has brought this about? Could you please let me know, you know, go into some detail? Um, I said, it will, I think it will both help you and help me to understand why. Because I, when I hear of these sorts of things, people giving up the faith, I want to know why. What's happened? What's happened? Anyway, first thing is, it was her issue with hell. She said, it all began about two years ago when I was obsessing about hell and thinking about friends and family going there, including my own children and husband. They are not believers. My children were aged 15 and 21 at the time. I prayed hard and tearfully about it. And during this time of intense prayer, I came across a book called Raising Hell by Julie Fawada and felt a strong urge to read it. The book was a challenge to read as it really caused me to rethink the doctrine of hell. I read the book prayerfully and meditated on many parts of it. It made a lot of sense to me, so I followed it up with further reading and study and I found that I could no longer believe in this doctrine even if I wanted to. I have a university education, so I am used to researching and I'm aware of the importance of critical thinking. It was difficult at first owing to cognitive dissonance, but over time my anxiety about hell reduced and now it has vanished completely. I raised the issue with a few Christian friends and I was treated with contempt. The pastor of the church where, where those friends attended <clears throat> texted me with a concerned message telling me that hell was real and I was on a dangerous path. I explained that I had researched extensively. By then I had read several more books and articles and had discussions with like-minded individuals, including pastors who deemed the doctrine to be false and that I could no longer believe the doctrine. The normally very pleasant pastor became a little hostile and made out that she knew best that she was an ordained minister. I reiterated that I could no longer believe the doctrine and it would be like telling me the earth was flat and trying to convince me of that. By then, I had left the church completely, although I had not been attending this pastor's particular church for some time as I looked for a more child-friendly one that I could take my baby granddaughter to as I was worried about her salvation and I hoped to get her indoctrinated as soon as she was old enough to understand. So she, she was relieved of the thought of hell. She no longer believed in it, therefore she was no longer concerned for her family who don't know Jesus. That's step one, wasn't it? Get rid of that. Then what do you think would be the obvious next step? Trying to con convince others of the same thing, pretty much. Yeah, but what about in her own fall her away? Because she still at this point believed in Christ. Yeah, that's very good, Ben. That is not the son. 
But before that, the whole thing about the cross. Why did Jesus have to die on the cross if there's no hell? Doesn't make sense anymore, does it? So after this, I began to question the reason for the crucifixion and did a little research. I came to the conclusion that this abominable act was purely the act of man. And nothing to do with a benevolent creator requiring a sacrifice. Since then I have come to believe that if Jesus did exist, he was purely a human. I believe that he was deeply enlightened and completely understood universal laws and was trying to convey them. That language right there comes from certain you know, teachings out there that aren't Christian. He caused anger and was considered blasphemous and consequently crucified as was very common in those times. So now... She doesn't believe in hell, so she now doesn't believe in Christ as having, having to, to die for the sins of men, to keep men from going to hell. I think that perhaps some of the things he said were misunderstood and manipulated, leading to the erroneous belief that he was the Son of God. So it's the next is the Son of God. He's now not the Son of God. He's not even God. He's just a good man. Leading to the erroneous belief that he was the Son of God. For example, when he said words along the line of, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, etc., I feel that perhaps... I like that word. Or perhaps I feel, it's not scripturally supported, I, perhaps I feel that the actual words he did say related to the fact that we are all connected to one powerful source. That's new age, isn't it? I don't believe that he meant he was anyone more special than the rest of us. I doubt the word father was actually used. And so now he's, she's doubting the actual language used that's written in our scriptures. Uh, the scriptures were translated and manipulated several times. They were likely, likely greatly misunderstood as well. So the Bible is not from God. I've ultimately come to the conclusion that the Bible is a fabrication for the most part, perhaps with a few true events crudely recorded. I do not believe in the God of the Bible and I do not believe it is the word of God. However, I do think that there is some good advice in there and many universal laws are mentioned. For example, those about reaping and sowing. And that's fine because if you're into things like the secret, you, you know, you sow into the universe and the universal God is a genie that lives to bless you and give you what you ask for by faith. Right? It's just a rip-off of the Bible and it's just leaving, leaving out so many um, truths. That's not funny. I think the Bible has been misunderstood, mistranslated, manipulated. It is one book, it is not one book, but rather a collection of letters and documents spanning many years, authored by many different people from, for different reasons, including Control, as the video documentary about the invention of Christianity and the Flavians illustrates. I watched a bit of it. Um, I've seen those kinds of documentaries before. They, it's made by non-Christians. And it's all about destroying Christianity. That's all it's about. Um, and you don't have to watch those documentaries. You know why? Because we have the history recorded in the Bible. You either believe the history recorded in the Bible or you have to go to historians that will tell you everything you recorded in the Bible is not true and you've got to believe it the way they say it is. Do you know what I'm saying? The scriptures have the history in there of the early church. And then you go to books like the Anti-Nicene Fathers, which is the early forefathers of the faith, you know, the early fathers of the faith, and their history, they go through ranges of things and tells us clearly the kind of people they were, the kind of church it was, and, and how it operated, and, and it, it really solves a lot of problems when you look at that. You know, Seventh-day Adventism is out the door if you read the early forefathers of the church. I'm talking like the, the disciples of Paul and the disciples of John. 
You know, you won't be a Seventh-day Adventist if you read their works because they used to worship on a Sunday. Sunday morning, in fact. And they were getting uh, persecuted because they didn't by the Jews because they didn't worship on a Saturday with the rest of them. Isn't that funny? They were persecuted by the Seventh-day Adventists of that time. So if you read those things, you get the true history. But if you then go to these documentaries made today by these historians, these hack historians that have got an agenda in writing the history that they write, you, and if you believe that, you will lose your faith. And there's plenty of people around that will tell you what you want to hear. Amen? If you want to believe that Jesus is not the Son of God, there are plenty of teachers out there that will teach you that. Go down to the Christian Delphian Hall. You'll get that every Sunday. Every Sunday they'll teach you that, that Jesus is not God. They'll indoctrinate you over and over again until you just believe it. If you go there. So the most important thing today is that you, you get under the true teaching of the Word and... You know, don't don't beat around the bush with all this other stuff. But as I get keep getting told by so many people around the world, there's so few around now. You know, if you're in California, you go to Simi Valley. Where do you go, Matthew? Can't think of any funny stuff. Yeah, Joshua's <laughs> church, right? And you get under the word, the true word. Amen. All right. I'll keep on going. I do believe that there is a benevolent, omniscient force that connects us all and works for our good when we allow it to. I believe in the law of attraction, which is what is pushed in the book The Secret and many other books like the book The Secret. Actually, the whole secret thing was never a secret. It's been around for ages, that teaching in uh, wolf creationism. There's certain wolf creationists um, that have been teaching the law of attraction for many, many years. I, I used to hear it, you know, preached by different, or not preached by, but spoken by many different motivational speakers back when I was 20 years old, way before The Secret came out. Uh, not that I worship or feel I have to follow these laws, but just that they are a fact. They are a fact. So now she's saying that this force is a fact. It's, it's her God now is not a God that is going to judge us, that we have to bow the knee to and you know, and honour and worship. She's not to do that. She believes the force in the universe lives to give her everything she wants. Now, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm using this time to, to preach this is these are the traps. This woman got f caught in a trap and she it spiralled out of control because she, she uh, um, stressed over, over her children and family, everyone, going to hell. So that did her in, did her mind in. Hang on, whose mind hasn't been done in by the concept of hell, by the whole theory of hell? It's a burden, heavy for Christians to take. But what, what do you do? You don't reject it. You say, hang on, if this is true, and really, if the word of God is true, and if we, if we don't believe it is, then why are we a Christian? We've got to stand on this. This is the only book I will stand on and say, this is it. This is the truth. And I'm just going to, if, if Jesus tells me that there's a hell, okay, now what do I do? I pray until there's no tomorrow to get my family saved. I respond the way Jesus wants you to respond. I tell people. I get a burden for people. But if you don't get that burden, we've got to say, Lord, change this hard heart of mine. Because I don't feel to pray for my, I don't, I don't care anymore that people are going to hell. If that's the case, and you know, then that's a concern, isn't it? 
And that's what's happening in the church. Is the people in the church, and I, I know I've had the attitude in the past, oh, well, everyone chooses their own destination in a sense. If they don't want to receive Christ, what can I do about it? Well, I can't do anything in the sense of I can't change their heart. But we know someone who can, amen? That's what his business is. He can change those hardened hearts. He can make them pliable. He can make them warm to him. But it comes through a battle that the Christian has to engage in, in prayer. That's where it's at. That's why it's so important that we take up that battle and we don't become mute. It's so important that we speak to our Creator. You know, Christians are supposed to be in constant communication with God. Amen. And if it was, if this was the case, if this woman, rather than trying to find a reason not to have that burden, if she had responded, she may have had a family saved by now. But she's on the other direction. And now what the family say, oh, I'm so glad you're not a coop like you used to be when you were a Christian. It's so much better you're not a Christian now. Because, you know, when you're not a Christian, you don't want your Christian friends to be Christian. You want them to be like you. You know what I mean? But it's not, this is not the way. It's not the way. It's not, it's just try to disassemble this and say it's a big fat lie. It's not. It's the truth. And we've got to hold to every word in it. Because if this is not the truth, man, there's nothing else. There's no other book. I'm not going to go to the Bhagavad, how do you say Bhagavad Vedas? Of the Hindu. I'm not going to go to the, the books of the, um, the Sikh religion. I'm only going to go to the one book which is tried and proven with a risen Messiah. Amen? There's no other religion with a risen Messiah. There's no other Christ. Seen by 500 of the disciples at once, evidencing that he is God. Because he rose from the dead. And every single person that saw him laid their life on the line and died for the faith. Many of them died. Torturous deaths and did not recant because of their, what they saw when he was risen. <laughs> That's powerful. They saw him. And like, if, if you didn't see him, would you, would you go, go to your death to believe in something you didn't see? Would you? Logically, no. There's no way. But if you've seen him and he said, believe in me, take up your cross, follow me. If you love your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose it for me, you will find it. Then that, that's in their mind. Okay, I'm going to live for this man. Who's not a man. He's a God man. Amen. Did I say amen? Amen. Amen. All right. And then, he, then she goes on even further. Satan doesn't exist, so now she's in big trouble. Because <laughs> Satan certainly does exist, because Satan is the deceiver. I do not believe in Satan or demons. These are fictitious characters like any other mythological creature. I do believe that you create what you think, so people can convince themselves they've had experiences with Satan and his demons because they're obsessed over it, and therefore created an energy which has brought forth these things in their minds. I've had this experience myself after repeated, uh, repetitively casting out demons and discussing Satan with other Christians. I once even saw Satan in my bedroom when I awoke. Such was a power, the power of my mind. So she's even seen Satan, and now she's rejecting it because that's the power of her mind. I've had no such experiences for a long time now. Well, of course she wouldn't. Satan's going to leave her alone now. Mm. <laughs> Satan's not going to appear in a bedroom now and convince her he's real. The greatest lie that ever happened on earth was... Convincing the Lord that he didn't exist. Yeah. 
Satan proving to the world that he didn't exist, or, or convincing the world he didn't exist. But he's, he's real and he's affected in her life. And he's done great damage and she doesn't even believe he's there. You know? Is there evil in the world? Yeah. And who is the author of evil? Who's the author of life, firstly? Jesus Christ is the author of life. Who's the author of evil? Satan. What is the meaning to, of life to a non-Christian? The meaning of life is to be happy. To be happy. Do, who wants to be happy here? Put up your hand if you want to be happy. I want to be happy. But is that the meaning to life? Because if it was, what happens when life is not happy? What happens when you, your, your loved one dies? Now you don't have meaning because you're not happy. And if you try to convince yourself you're happy to, to, to walk in that philosophy... And you don't mourn when you should mourn. You end up mentally something will go wrong in you if you block it out. You know what I mean? You've got to mourn when you've got to mourn. There's a time for mourning and there's a time for weeping. But there's a time when that ends too and you can get on with it. Amen. Life is certainly more peaceful for me and I enjoy better relationships with those close to me. I'm not constantly worrying and obsessing. Of course you're not. You don't worry now that they're going to hell. My mental health is much improved. All this has been a two-year process, not a hasty decision. I could never go back to believing in the God of the Bible or Christianity or any religion at all, even if I wanted to. So she's just about... She's just about said, that's it. I am a much happier, joyful, contented person these days, and I still have integrity and good morals. It wasn't Christianity that created those values in me. It's just the part of who I am. That sounds like an atheist argument, doesn't it? <laughs> the moral argument. I think you've done a sermon on the moral argument. That she's, you know, those things are just part of who I am. This is my response. I said, you let one little lie in, and then that little lie caused you to believe another lie. And on it went until you gave up the faith. Your email laid it out so succinctly. The initial lie came from an easily refutable false teacher, Julie Fawada. Your knowledge of scripture, Hebrew and Greek, was so inept that you could not discern that Julie, who is not Greek or a Hebrew scholar, because that's what she was doing in the book. She was referencing Hebrew and Greek and in the original words and all this sort of stuff. She was out of her depth when discussing translations and she misled you on every front. There's a really good uh, um, uh, article about that whole book being refuted. Her mission to destroy the faith of the disgruntled Christian was well received in you because you were desperate for hell not to be real. Julie Fawada added to the false teaching about hell that the Bible in English cannot be trusted. You received this and therefore your faith was undermined. And since then, you have only looked to more of the same false teachers who kept teaching you what you're, you now desperately want to hear. That there is no God like the Bible describes God. Jesus is not God. Hell is not real. The God of the universe is a force to provide for your every desire. The meaning of life is to be happy. The worship of God is futile. Satan and demons are fictional. And there's the... Can you see that there? Julie Fawada's book, Refuted. Um, it's, a, it's a great article. It's very long. This guy goes in depth. It's nearly as long as the book, I think, that he refuted. I can understand your concern for me because you believe in the doctrine of hell. This is what she said. And you now think I'm headed there. So this is what she said. But really there is no need. I know you would not even be able to entertain the thought that Christianity is a false doctrine and there is no hell. 
because you are a pastor and also because you preach predominantly about hell and end times. Pastors have, had, have the extra way of believing that they will be judged even more severely than the rest of Christians. So I understand if you cannot see things from my perspective. It's all down to cognitive dissonance, which has a very powerful hold of the mind. And cognitive dissonance is the state of having inconsistent thoughts, beliefs and attitudes, uh, especially as relating to behavioural decisions and attitude change. So basically, I can't think any other way. And it's true. If you want to call that cognitive dissonance, maybe I do have it. But I just will hold to the Word of God because I'm not going to hold to some hack because she teaches a thing that you want to hear. That's itching ear, isn't it? That's an itching ear teacher who teaches what the people want to hear. And you've got to be careful of that because if, if a church doesn't preach on hell, if you don't hear preaching about hell, you're in a church that is holding back something because they don't want to get up people's goats. You know, They don't want to offend people. But you know what? If Just say hell's true. Just say people who don't believe in Jesus Christ go to hell. Just say it's true, right? You're going to be spending eternity in hell if you don't believe in Jesus Christ. Would you then, when you're in hell, wouldn't you be, when you're there, actually burning, and it's now it's a reality, it's not just uh, talk that upsets you. Mm. Now you're in it. Wouldn't you be wishing that you heard messages about hell every single day of your life, when you were alive? You'd wish the teachers had been teaching about hell. You'd wish the teachers were teaching about the coming judgment and that if you don't get right with your holy God, you're going to be thrown into that place. You would wish that you had your perspective of life right and correct according to Scripture. Because if it's real, you don't want to go there. Amen? The problem today is churches are more concerned with keeping people satisfied and happy and the numbers and keeping the big offerings coming in. They're more concerned about this life. There's a book out, The Best Life Now. No mention of hell. But you know what? When you understand hell, when you accept hell, and it's all in perspective, it changes you as a Christian. Amen? The most holy men that have ever walked the face of the earth are those that have had that in place, and their life was changed forever because of it. Ian Bounds is one. Leonard Ravenhill is another. These men, they were changed. And they lived a different Christian life. That's why I preach on it. Changes who you are inside. It makes you pray different. It makes you live different. When you believe in the uh, the doctrine of the coming judgment, when you're going to stand before a holy God, it changes everything about what you do from day to day, doesn't it? I have no cognitive dissonance when it comes to faith in God and Christ. I have studied all the world's major religions and have. All the world's major ones I have, yeah. I've done in-depth studies into cults, the occult, postmodern thought, witchcraft, Freemasonry, the Illuminati. I've studied culture, the Catholic Church as a cult. When I said the Catholic Church as a cult, there are some sincere Catholics. I've met some. Wonderful, wonderful men of faith and women of faith. Right? But the whole Catholic thing, when you start studying into, you know, the way it's set up, it's this... Some diabolical things that go on there. Catholic Church is a cult and an array of false deceptions which are sweeping the world through scientism. That's science gone wrong. That's science as a religion, not as science. Uh, Evolution, militant atheism, the new age, the universe is a God concept taught in books like The Secret and many wealth creationists. 
and also have an extensive knowledge of the teachings of motivational concepts like Anthony Robbins and Brian Tracy and Jim Rowan and other guys like that, Zig Ziglar and all those guys. I also have studied extensively the music industry's agenda and ideologies through Joe Schimmel, as well as Hollywood's agenda and ideologies through Joe Schimmel and other men and, uh, that have done uh, videos on that and all that sort of thing. Your teachings, which you have now replaced Christianity with, has been derived from many of the above-mentioned teachings and ideologies. That's the best way I could put it. Is what I hear in what she's saying, it's being derived from that mass of lies in the world today. And she must be made aware that that's where it's coming from. So if this, all this Christianity stuff is false, what is the truth then? What is the truth? God just lives to bless you and give you everything you want. That's what the truth is. To be happy is the truth. Is the truth truly what you think now? Where do you go when you die? All people will one day die, so how confidently can you hold on to this new faith of yours when you face death? It's all fine to be confident in what you believe when you're strong and healthy. What about when you're lying on your deathbed and your strength is gone and your health is gone and you've got moments to live? How confident are you holding to that belief now? I tell you what, when you've got no strength left in your bones, when you can barely make another breath because your breath is departing, it can only be one name on your lips. There can be only one name. Jesus. Jesus. A famous saying is, don't be caught dead without Jesus. Jesus is the only name. There is no other name under heaven given unto men by which we must be saved. Jesus Christ is the only name. You will not find another in this earth. You will not find another in this universe. All in all, when I read your email, I could spot and locate where you searched the internet to be taught all the things which you now hold as truth. I too have looked into these same things, but by the grace of God, I was able to see through them. You, however, welcome them with open arms. And that's the problem. Truth didn't matter. What she wanted to hear was the thing that mattered. So, for there is no other name under heaven given unto men and women by which you must be saved. You cannot prevent yourself from dying, but Christ can save you out of death. Mm. Amen. What a hope. Mm. What a hope. Why would you give up such a great hope mm. in Christ? Why would you give it up and go into death without him? Why would you lay down in the bed of death without Christ? You give that up, you got nothing. Amen? Christ is the only name. The only name. And don't let any of these false religions teach you anything else. Be steadfast. Rock solid in your faith. Know your faith. Know your faith. Amen? It must become part of this. It must become part of your flesh. It must become a living epistle. Walk out your faith with fear and trembling, but with the power of the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit. Knowing realities like hell and heaven and knowing that reality and living according to that reality. Amen. God bless you.
And I'm, I'm going to pray now. So, um, Lord, I just thank you. I just thank you for this message. I just thank you that you uh, gave me the ability to get through it so quickly. And uh, yet, I think I hit every point that I wanted to hit, Lord. And I just thank you for that. And Lord, I just pray that uh, a great work would be done. Firstly, in this lady who wrote me this email. That Lord, that she's not so far gone that she's blasphemed the Holy Spirit or anything like that, Lord, but that she is still able to be brought back from where she is, Lord Jesus. That, Lord, you could bring her out of that, that deception that she's living under, that she's accepted into her life because she didn't like a couple of things and therefore wrote the whole thing off. Lord, help her to understand. Help her to understand that there is no other name. As I keep saying, the word keeps saying, there is no other name. We must not be found dead without you, Lord Jesus. We don't put on Jesus Christ for a better life. We put on Jesus Christ because you're going to take us through this life and into the real life. And you're going to help us every step of the way, despite hardships, despite troubles, despite pain and suffering and torment, if we would just hold on to you. But if we love our life more than you, we're going to lose it. But if we give it up for you, we'll find it. So, Lord, help, help this lady to come to a knowledge of the truth. Help her to come into it in a way she's never come into it in 40 years. That the faith that she will attain now will be so balanced and she'll be so rock solid and steadfast in it that she will never entertain the lies and deceptions of the evil one again. So I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. And Lord, I just pray that for every single one here that something out of what I've uh, spoken about today will uh, have affected them positively. And then, Lord, that we'll be uh, open, our eyes have been opened to some things that are going on in this country that uh, are quite disturbing. And that, Lord, we're going to do something about it through prayer and through uh, becoming who we're meant to be in you, through, uh, and maybe if it's in your heart to be more active in these areas and speaking out against what's happening as well, Lord, and supporting people that do speak out like uh, on a regular basis. I pray, Lord, that um, uh, also for Andrew Boltball, who's a professed agnostic, Lord, I pray, Lord, he's, he can see the, how good Christianity is. He can see how, how wonderful a faith it is. And obviously in his mind he can see that it's the greatest of the faiths. But Lord, I pray that he'll go one step further and accept you as Lord and Saviour. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will work in him so greatly and that you reveal yourself to him so powerfully that he will not be able to deny it. And Lord, I pray that when he becomes that Christian, that born-again Christian, full of the faith and full of the Spirit, that he won't be sacked from his position, that he'll maintain his position and continue to be a voice in this country, but an even more powerful voice. And I pray that you raise up more born-again Christians to speak out just like Andrew Bolt is speaking out. And I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Uh, bless us all, I pray, uh, through this week. God has protect us and cover us in your precious blood. We also pray for Jamie, whose uh, wife's baby is due. Their, their baby is due today. And so he can't be here. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you just be with her at this time. Uh, that you strengthen her and help her, uh, there to be no complications and that the baby will come uh, quickly and easily. 
and uh, smoothly and they'll have this beautiful baby in their arms uh, in a very short time. So I pray for your protection over them and blessing them, blessings over them as a family. Thank you for such a wonderful spirit of Jamie and a beautiful man of faith. And we pray that you uh, will just be with him as well. We also pray for Daniel who couldn't be with us today as well. Um, and he's out on a, uh, at, unable to get here. We just pray your blessing over him and you keep guiding and directing his life. Also, we pray for Ben and his church in Queensland, and we just pray for the Spirit of God to be there in a very, very powerful way today and, and, and through all the week that you bless that wonderful fellowship as well. Uh, and also Andy and Sharon, who are uh, on the coast up in the WA, and we just pray for the, your protection over them. I received the photo, which I was supposed to show you today, of them saying how tough their life is at the moment, walking along a beautiful sun, sunny beach. I said, don't send me these photos again. Um, but Lord, thank you for them and just pray your blessing over them and that you protect them on all their journeys and Lord, bring them home safely, cover them in your precious blood. Keep filling them with the Spirit, Lord, and guiding them and may they have wonderful fellowship with their friends that are there with them as well. So be with us all in the name of Jesus now. I pray in your wonderful name. Amen.